Big Rab Show podcast is kindly sponsored by G1 Reads. They are the champion's choice, with many bands around the world playing G1 products, including two-time world champions in Vararian District. So check out g1reads.com as they keep the lights on here on the Big Rab Show podcast. Hello there everyone, welcome to another Big Rab Show podcast. How are you folks? Hope you are all keeping rightly out there on podcast land. Yes, it's the week of the holidays and by way of full disclosure, this week's podcast has been pre-recorded, let's just say. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because ourselves and the Big Rab Show team, we are taking a little bit of a break, but we did want to bring you guys a podcast nonetheless. Yeah, we didn't want you guys to go without your pipe in action, even though it's the week of the holidays. Uh, but yeah, you guessed it. By the title of this week's episode, we have quite an incredible interview to bring you. Now, this was all recorded before the Glymphitic actually happened. Um, so yes, this was during the time where Jack was actually preparing for the Glymphitic. And we'll get into that in a second or two. But first of all, Let's get into the introduction, shall we? Yes, if this is your first ever Big Rab Show podcast, then you are welcome. We are the show for the bagpiping folk, reflecting everything in the bagpiping world, be it Celtic music, folk music, or our bread and butter, which is competitive piping and drumming. Each and every week, even on Christmas week, <laughs> ourselves in the Big Rab Show, we do what we can to talk about our love of the Great Highland Bagpipe. It's music and it's people. Yeah. So don't forget, like every other podcast out there, we do have a Patreon. Uh, so, yeah, if you would like to help support the show, then you can do. Go over there, click on support, and, yeah, you'll get your hands on loads of extra stuff. So, um, yeah, including this interview that you're about to listen to. This has already been available for Patreon subs, so... There you go. Uh, Let's get into the podcast, shall we? Now, as you guessed it, because this one has been kind of pre-recorded, maybe a week or two before the holidays and stuff, yeah, we don't have any listener mail this week, we've no weekly drone, none of that sort of stuff, because like I said, I'm giving the team some time off. So, yeah, that's what we're doing this holiday season. We're throwing the heels up, we're filling ourselves full of turkey and spuds, and just spending time with family and friends. And then we'll come back at it again in the new year, all sorts of guns blazing. Yeah, we've got a lot of plans for next year, but um, that's possibly for another podcast. But anyway, yeah, so no listener mail this week. No weekly drone, none of that there stuff. But yes, if you would like to email us in, of course you can do. BigRabShow at gmail.com is our email address. I'll give you that again. It's BigRabShow at gmail.com. We'd always love to hear from you. Now, I have to say, yeah, at this point I always like to give a little mention to our ongoing promotion Yes, of course, Finding Bagpipe Freedom. Now, this book honestly has been leaping off the shelf and uh, yeah, a load of you folks out there have been taking advantage of our special offer, which is brilliant and it's great to hear because that means you guys are saving money just by listening to the podcast. So yes, if you do want to pick up a copy of Finding Bagpipe Freedom by Andrew Douglas and Camille Late, then use our promo code, which is BIGRAB. And whenever you put it in at the checkout, you'll get money off just by listening to the podcast. So definitely go and consider picking up a copy, even if it's not already sitting under the tree, that is. So, yeah, if you do manage to get some cash from Mr. Claus this upcoming week, yeah, definitely consider spending it on that book because it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah, indeed. Alrighty, well, with no word of the week, no topic of uh, that that kind of stuff to talk about, we have an awesome 
interview to bring you. Like I said, this was all recorded ahead of the Glymphitic Championship. Now, little did I know at the time that Jack would actually walk in there in Blair Castle and lift the thing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, this was actually recorded the night before the Glymphitic Championship, as far as I'm aware. As it was, no, sorry, Thursday. This was on the Thursday night. And then there was the Friday where they all had to draw, you know, what they had to play and everything. And then the Saturday was the competition itself. So this was a couple of nights before the Glymphitic. And uh, Jack was in fine humour and his preparations were going well. And I honestly still am pinching myself that he took time to chat to us here on the podcast. We talk about everything that we possibly could. And uh, no doubt I could have spent another, I don't know, two or three hours chatting to him. And honestly, this interview is simply amazing i have to say a huge thank you to jack on the outset yeah that's what an incredible interview so without further ado i shall delay no longer yeah i think it's time for me to go and get a big cup of tea it's time for the topic of the week wallace bagpipes quality pride and passion made in scotland proud bagpipe supplier to the red hot chili pipers Visit wallacebagpipes.com for more information or contact your nearest dealer. McLennan Bagpipes by North Carolina artisan bagpipe maker Roddy McLennan from Euston, Scotland. They don't strive to be the biggest, fastest or the cheapest. They do, however, meticulously craft a small number of warm and stable-sounding instruments of heirloom quality. Roddy has followed this philosophy for over 30 years and continues to evolve with innovations like the Elevation Chanter. Designed with North American bands in mind, providing a lower pitch, rich harmonics and strong, clear projection, Elevation Chanters provide a stable platform for a thick band sound. Check out BespokeBagpipes.com for more information. McLennan Bagpipes, born in Scotland, made in the USA. Having launched the Regimental Series in March 2019 and the Axial Series in August of the same year, the British Drum Company were firing on all cylinders. That was until the world was hit by a global pandemic and they were forced by the government to stop production, close the doors and lock up the factory. In May this year, they reopened their doors and the production lines started to flow again. The company is as busy as ever and are happily back making shells, filing snare beds by hand and polishing drums prior to dispatch. If your core is looking for a new set of drums, then don't hesitate to get in touch with their marching department for more information. Don't forget, tours are available for all leading drummers on their cores. The British Drum Company. Look amazing, sound amazing, feel amazing. Ah, there you go. Yes, cup of tea had, and I'm, yeah, you guessed it. I have to get the ads and stuff out of the way because we are about to get into quite an awesome interview, like I said. So, yes, it gives me very great pleasure to welcome the 2021 Glenfiddich champion, Jack Lee, to the podcast. So, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jack Lee. Jack, how are you, sir? 
I'm very well. Thank you very much. Good to be talking to you in uh, nice rainy Glasgow here. Yeah, because as we're recording this, full disclosure, you're actually in the UK right now getting ready for the Glymphitic. So that helps put a bit of a time on it. It's now the end of October. It's a bit exactly dreary. Yeah. How are things in sunny UK at the moment for you? Well, um, firstly, I'm very glad to be here, generally speaking. Mm. And for a number of reasons. One is jet lag. And um, <laughs> for, for a person who travels as much as I do, uh, I should be a lot better with jet lag than I am. And I'm really not good at it. So it, I come over, I like to come over a few days ahead and try to adjust to Scottish time. So that's, that's important. And the other thing is adjusted to Scottish weather. I think mm-hmm. I found. And uh, in my early days at the Glenfiddich, quite a number of times, I worked on Thursday straight to the airport, flew, got to Pit Lockery Friday night, played Saturday, and flew home crack of dawn on Sunday morning. It was just nothing. Wow. I was working in corporate Canada in those days. So these days, I'm able to come over a, you know, a number of days ahead and, and, and do all that kind of preparation stuff, which I really am enjoying. Again. That's a little bit more relaxed then, I would say, yeah. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So, well, obviously, with your solo work and everything, how many appearances is this now for you at the Glenfiddich? Okay, I, I really should know the answer to that question. But the Quite a few, though, I would say. It's well over 20. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's well over 20. And um, I'm <laughs> not comparing myself to anybody. I've just had these opportunities. And when I first started coming... Uh, way back in 1981. My first invitation was in 1978. I was actually invited in 1978. Did not, wow. yeah, did not come over. I was deep in university exams and, and stuff like that. But in 1981, I won the gold medal at Inverness and the silver star at Inverness, and that got me an invitation. And I came over, mm-hmm. and I was very starstruck when I got here. And all those fantastic players. Oh man, they were. Yeah. It was just a great lineup of those great players. And then there's me kind of in my mind. That's how I looked at it. <laughs> and uh, a number of, uh, a number of those uh, fellows are no longer with us. And every one of the others have retired and uh, I'm still, still, still kicking. Yeah. A number of long timers as well. <laughs> Indeed. So can I ask a question then for all of your numerous appearances at the biggest stage in solo piping, does it ever get old? Do you ever feel a little blasé about it? Or does it always have that wow factor for you? I can honestly say it always has the wow factor. Yeah. I have never once felt blasé or, or taken it for granted. I, I think it's, a, it's such a privilege mm. to be invited to play at the Glenfiddich. It is the competition of competitions. And I, I feel like there's so many... There's so much sorrow in the world, and that COVID nineteen is just horrible, and and so many of my friends are struggling, and I've lost a number of friends, mm-hmm. um, and all, and a lot of people have lost their life savings, and it's just horrible. And here I have this wonderful opportunity to come over and play bagpipes at the Glenfiddich, and I just think it's such a pleasure, privilege, and an honor. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the to COVID, I was feeling pretty much the same. It's just an honor to be here. So. I think um, if I'm ever fortunate enough to be invited in a future year, I will probably have the same you know, enthusiastic, appreciative the, attitude that I yeah. have today. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, if anything, I love hearing that description, you know, that it never gets old. You know, that I, I dare say that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. So we've got a lot of listeners who listen to the show who would cope quite badly with stage fright or nerves that march up to the line, their knees start to shake and then they have to drop themselves because they lose the way of themselves. With playing in the Glenfiddich, the biggest stage in the world, do you ever feel the nerves yourself, Jack? Yeah, I've always felt that anyone who says they don't get nervous on that stage is lying. Every <laughs> one of us gets nervous on that stage. I know yeah. I will get nervous on that stage. Mm. And, um, yeah, man, I, I could tell you probably a number of stories, but um, I've, I've had some bad runs at the Glenfiddich where I've forgotten to do things that I, you know, could easily do back home, mm. like repeating a part or, or whatever, like silly things. Yeah. And these are, these are nerve induced moments, you know, so I, I'm certainly not immune to them. Um, I find the nervous energy to be uplifting and kind of exciting. I know maybe that sounds weird. No, not at all. No. It gets your heart beating, yeah. your toe tapping and gets you going. And, um, so I've had a few bad moments, but I've had some good ones too. And the ones that go well, hmm. I find it's a direct correlation between how well prepared you feel you are inside. I Not see. how well yes. prepared somebody else is telling you that you are. You mm-hmm. must feel that. You must feel calm and prepared. And so back to my early days. I never felt calm and prepared. I was rushing from the airport to get over here. I was all, many of my early appearances did not go well because I was in that kind of a mind frame. But uh, anyway, so I like to put in the effort ahead of time and be organized with my preparation and practice. Um, I really want to have a bagpipe that I can rely upon. And I like to have no issues, as they say, on the day. Just, just blow them up and have them go well. And it's a very relaxing feeling, so... Be a hundred percent prepared. Yeah. Story for people that that have big nerve issues, and I know a lot of people like that, um, mm-hmm. and I have some of those myself. But I don't know. Well, maybe one, the two things that help me the most, I think, are this this calm sort of getting organized and feeling uh, confident myself inside before I get on the stage. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you have to have a water off a duck's back attitude. So. Yeah. I've had many a blunder on the stage and um, you know, it's easy to get down and depressed and discouraged and, you know, get all mad and grumpy. But the truth is I don't get like that. Uh, Many multiple times I've had these bad moments and before I leave the building that night, it's gone. I'm looking forward towards next year. I'm going to do this and I'm going to try and fix that and all that type of thing. So I, I think it, want to find a way to let it go i use the analogy of the water off a duck's back so those are the things yeah. that help me anyway that's a fantastic ethos you know because by the time you finish your performance it's done it's out of your hands there's nothing else you can do and i think that's amazing advice yeah thank you um so away from your solo work and everything with you heading to the glenfiddich and the biggest stage and everything you're involved in a little pipe band that i think folks might be aware of might have heard of Simon Fraser University. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been part of uh, Simon Fraser now for 40 plus years. Isn't that right? I have. I've been the pipe sergeant for 40 plus years. That's absolutely. Wow. Right. There you go. That's, that's, that's yeah. an incredible tenure. Job or something. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. So I have to ask then, obviously, we're heading into the winter months, which is when all the hard work's done. How's things going with SFU at the moment? Well, we've gone through the COVID you know, phase that every other pipe band in the world has gone through. Yeah. And we went, um, you know, more than a year without getting together, well, more than a year without getting together in person. Mm. But we tried to keep it going with Zoom and we had Zoom practices and, and Zoom projects. And we did a couple, at least two recordings, maybe three on Zoom that we put out on, uh, put out there. Yes. And so we tried to remind everybody in SFU that, hey, you, and I are, we're, we're all still in SFU. We exist. We're going to get back <laughs> up and play. And so anyway, this past fall, we've been actually able to get together in person and play at Simon Fraser University in a theater. theater they give us a nice space to play. And we try yeah. to space out, so to speak. As I say, it was supposed to be six feet minimum between the players. So we do that and wear our masks when we're coming and going. Mm-hmm. And... I think I could speak for everyone in the band to say it's been a hoot. Just really fun to get out there and actually get together and play and, you know, enjoy the music again. So that's it. Yeah. I think reasonably well. And just to see people, Jack, as well, you know, Zoom is okay. That's one thing. But to actually see people in person, it's, it's, yeah, it's another level, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. We've all missed that with the people of the world, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope it's not too long before we're able to see you guys here on the grass competing oh, for the world. We're, we are, <laughs> we're kind of hoping and assuming that mm. the World Pipe Band Championships will be happening this uh, coming up August of 22. And, and our mm. band is fully vaccinated and all that. And all that. So um, if the World Championships is happening, uh, we'll be here. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll be there front row for sure. <laughs> yeah. So as well as Simon Fraser, uh, you're also involved with, well, Robert Malcolm. Everyone knows RMM. Um, now, am I right in thinking that there's a band in every grade now from RMM? Uh, there is a band in every grade, yes. Wow. See, that's impressive. So how many people is involved in that, Jack? Well, it was, there was definitely 100 kids. Really? Wow. Oh. Yeah. So the, the quick history on that was there was a time way back when Terry Lee, my brother, mm-hmm. Robert McNeil, a longtime friend and, and founder of the band and everything, and myself, we, we had little young children. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how we we're going to teach them how to play bagpipes and, and this sort of thing. And got, got to it and started our own pipe band for kids, only mm-hmm. for kids, called Robert Malcolm Memorial. It was named after two players in the band who were killed tragically in a car accident, which was not their fault. Mm. And so we named it after Robert and Malcolm and uh, started this band. And there were, there were 40 kids on that first night. It was a shocking. 40. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. um, we just went from there to sort of to more success and whatnot. Um, we've become r- relatively high profile in the city of Vancouver, mm. certainly Simon Fraser University and the SCB pipeline are very high profile in Vancouver and our junior program. We advertise it as our junior program. So, you know, as the years go on, kids will join the band and now they'll, they'll progress up through the ranks, so to speak. And mm-hmm. we try to tell them that they can go as far in this band as they want. They can yes. play a little bit, have some fun, you know, do some parades and they can play a little more and get into one of the competition kind of bands. Or if they're really motivated and, and put in the effort and all that, they can maybe work their way up to the grade one level. There you go. The truth is it's a very small minority that really go up to the grade one level 
so we we realized that way way back <clears throat> we need to teach this band because we like teaching this band and that yeah. is the attitude we love teaching kids and kids are fun and and if they're enthusiastic and, and putting in the effort it is a lot of fun so so yes we do have we have a great so it started off as a grade four band it quickly became a we split it in a grade three and a grade four band and that great and these are all kids now that grade three band is the one that was um traveling to scotland many times competing at the world championships and all that yes and from there it sort of grew grade five and grade um, grade two and then it's kind of a senior grade three band of adults at one point it's just grew and grew and grew exactly yeah yeah and to have so many kids involved that I hope you don't mind me saying, but you must be doing something right, you know, because to have so many enthusiastic kids going through that system, there must be some secret to it. You know, how do you attract so many young kids to pick up the instrument in the first place? There is a, there is a not secret to it. It's not a secret. Okay. I do not mind <laughs> you make it fun to play bagpipes and drums and you just keep making it fun. Yeah. It's now. So here's a story for you. When we started the band, you know, over 20 years ago, Robert Malcolm, mm -hmm. it was very common to get kids joining the band who had names McDonald, Mackay, oh. McDougal, mm -hmm. etc., McClellan, and the, these were kids from Scottish families. Now it's very rare to get a, a child from a Scottish family. They just they're just kids in the in the community, and everybody's wow. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're not naturally or instinctively anxious to play bagpipes. They just hear about it, it looks like fun and whatever. So we, we do lots of little things to make it fun. Mm -hmm. And the two that come to my mind, three that come to my mind are we do trips to Disneyland. What? Disneyland? With a pipe band? It's a very good Highland game. It's in a place wow. Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa <laughs> Highland game. Down by yeah. The Los Angeles area. Tremendous. It's a tremendous trip for kids. They love to go and they go to Disneyland and they compete at the Highland Games and stuff like that. Oh, that so sounds like so much fun. fun. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I've been, well, I've been seven times with them. So we're gonna, <laughs> we come to Scotland when the band is uh, strong enough and ready and all that. Yeah. So that's a big undertaking and kids love doing that. And then back home, lots of little wee things. One that comes to mind is the Santa Claus Parade. Oh, right. Maybe like a nothing to, to somebody, but... If you're an 11-year-old piper and you're wearing a Santa hat, playing yeah. Jingle Bells, playing down the road, and there are 40,000 people cheering you on. Wow. It is a hoot. And That's so impressive. Kids love doing stuff like that. So yeah, really come to mind of ways that we try to make it fun to be part of the Robert Malcolm Memorial Band. There you are. I, I make it signed up myself. I, I would love the idea of that. <laughs> Sorry, you're too old. Hit the break it here. Oh, no. God, love me. <laughs> so jack i have to ask then obviously with your involvement and in teaching and everything at robert malcolm memorial can i ask you then for some advice we have a lot of tutors and people who are involved in teaching in the piping scene here both locally in northern ireland but also around the globe and uh just asking have you got any tips or any pointers for tutors who are involved in teaching someone yeah Okay, the biggest tip I can give you is I've already just given it to you. Making it fun, you have to do things to make there it fun. There you go, yeah. Um, the second thing that comes to my mind, kids love to play with other kids much more than they like playing with adults. Oh, I see, so yes. If, if you're out there teaching kids, if you're able to get a group of kids, mm. it becomes way more fun for the kids involved 
than if there's only one child with a group of adults. And I know a lot of bands and areas, that's what they're dealing with. But if they're able to get a few more kids, boy, does it ever pay, pay benefits. I'm sure. The other yeah. thing that's um, a couple of things that come to my mind. We ask for a bit of a commitment from our, from our instructors. Mm-hmm. We don't want the three month instructor. We kind of want the three year instructor. Right. Okay. And mm-hmm. the theory being if a lot of people can contribute a little bit for quite a period of time, we have a big staple, stable kind of group there. Mm. Um, another thing that's helpful is some of the instructors should be young. I, I see. Yes. They like yeah. young instructors. And mm-hmm. another thing that we have found is important is that some of your instructors should be ladies. There you go. Found that there's a lot of girls out there, and they often appreciate having seen the role model of a of a lady piper and drummer. It's very powerful to a young young. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, hope that's not inappropriate saying that, but we like a good mixture of old and young, and male and female. That's it. And the whole deal is having a lot of fun here, playing well, while you're having a lot of fun. So that on the play well, there's a way to to teach a child to play well, get rid of crossing noises or false fingers or oh, all, yeah. and all these things. <laughs> and it's, um, you know, it's hands-on. It's with a smile on your face, never giving them heck mm. or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of smiling and encouraging and, up, you know, lifting them up and stuff like that. That's so it. So it's kind of the attitude, yeah. I think, that we try to bring to the table. And other groups are doing a great job for sure. You know, I, I mean, I look at Bog Hall, yeah it just comes to my mind as as not in the school systems or private groups like ourselves yes and they're dealing with community kids as well just kids who want to play pipes and drums so they're very much doing the same thing i would say making it fun teaching them to play well and all that type of thing that's it for sure and using that model of keeping it fun and entertaining for sure definitely seems to pay dividends so Sound advice for any bands out there who want to teach some new recruits. There you are. So can I ask Jack then, as well as you being a tutor, you're, you know, like the rest of us, you're always a student of the piping game. Uh, do you ever can, you know, take time to work on your own learning at all? Oh my goodness. Hitting a hot button here, man. I consider myself to be a student. I will always consider myself to be a student. Wow. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a master of nothing. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. How long does it take to play the pipes, to learn the pipes? I don't know. I haven't... You haven't learned it? <laughs> I just, I'm like this all the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you get to sort of my level and stuff out in Vancouver, there's a, well, certain cha- there's certain challenges to anybody anywhere hmm. finding ways to learn, and everybody learns differently. Okay? Yeah. I learn from uh, digging into new music or new technique or mm. new developments in the instrument, you know, bags and reeds and deep, these sort of things. Yes. Um, I'm not a sort of status quo, like here's what I'm doing and that's it person. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to improve that. Wow. And I, th- yeah. I think I'll, I'll always be that way. <laughs> so um, I don't know what to say about that. I just, I just, oof, I'm always, yeah. always You're just continually learning and always curious. I listen to recordings of other yeah. pipers. I really enjoy it a lot. Other top players and seeing what, how they're doing, what they're playing like, and I'm picking up things from them. 
There you go. That's fantastic to hear, though, because it, it means that we're not alone. You know, <laughs> whenever we see a piper such as yourself on the stage of the Glenfiddich, we can still see they're learning just as much as we are. Do you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic to hear. Very reassuring. So can I ask then, <clears throat> in your experience then of teaching and developing players, are there any most common roadblocks to progress that you would notice that either their equipment, you know, or, or their hands or even a memory problem, you know, is there anything that always crops up? Yeah. Okay. So, um, um, so, so the roadblocks and the learning style and teaching style changes has to change as you grow and age and develop and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, celebrating the gains is very, very important. Yes. Not letting yourself get overwhelmingly discouraged by the, the down points, but uh, celebrating the little gains along the way, I think it's very important. So I, I like to do that. Like, yeah, you know, I can play, this, <laughs> I can play that. Yeah. Um, I think the way that I learn has just changed so much from being a, from when I was a kid. So when you're a kid, mm-hmm. um, you just learn differently. You learn quickly. You have a kind of a carefree, carefree attitude. Memorization is usually not a problem for a child. Yeah. Usually. Now, some exceptions <laughs> to that. But no, it's usually not too bad for a child. Mm-hmm. These things become harder at times when you're older. I know myself, the memorization of tunes is vastly more difficult now in my 60s yeah. than it was when I was a teenager. So what I've seen. I'm saying this as a person who's still competing in their 60s, <laughs> is that there's a need to change your approach continually. I see. As you grow and develop it. You cannot play the same and practice the same as an older person, the same way you did when you were a younger person. Wow. Yeah. I remember, so I remember yeah. watching an interview with Tiger Woods, the great golfer, who was essentially saying when he turned 30, if he was still swinging the club the same way he was swinging it at 20, he'd be, he'd be finished. His body had changed. He had to oh, change his yeah. swing. And as time progresses, he continued to change his swing. And, you know, things happen in his life, which. You know, yeah. That's outside of golf. Yeah. Did, I remember, <laughs> remember hearing thinking, man, that's, he could be talking about me here. Mm-hmm. The way I blow and finger and music and express and everything has to change the way you, um, analyze what's happening in your playing oh yeah to change you have to be more critical more aware um less glossing over if you want to have a long career in piping i mean Mm -hmm. you want to Mm -hmm. have that these are all things i have learned myself so yeah anyway i I practice and and study just way way differently now than than i did in my 20s so i encourage people to do that find solutions that they know they that they formerly may not have considered when they were younger as they're going through their journey in piping. Wow, they are sound advice there for sure. Thank you, Jack. Uh, so can I ask then? I'm really curious about piping hot summer drummer. Right. Can you tell me about this? This event looks fantastic. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy to talk about it. It's, it turns out that we are the largest summer school for piping drumming and dancing in the world and have been that way for many years. Wow. And we yeah, had this is a two week mm. camp in on a place called Silver Star Mountain in British Columbia. Yes. Now 
I should say it's normally that the last two years have been on Zoom because of COVID-19. But yeah. it was started by Reed Maxwell and another fellow 28 years ago. I came in in week three to lead the mm -hmm. piping and I lead the, the majority of the administration along the way now. But um, it's we try to make this, we try to run the school just the way we wish we had had schools when we were kids. Which is <laughs> a ton of fun and play bagpipes and drums hard all day long. Oh, that so sounds like so much fun. We've had well over 5,000 <laughs> students now. Wow. The years. A lot of That's crazy. Well, this seems to always be several hundred at it at every year. Yeah. So, um, and Highland Dancing, we added that 15 years ago as well. But anyway, we, we so we, on the on a topic of making it fun, mm. we're, in the, we're in classes, we're doing all kinds of things. We sing catch rock in the morning. You always have to have a little pee rock in the morning. And <laughs> Throughout your classes and stuff, everyone performs in the during the week. The classes perform. We have talent shows and water fights and recitals uh, and you know just a number of different things. Stuart Little, Callum Beaumont, and Steve McWhorter are the three sort of superstars that come out, and of course they put on a great show and yeah, play like so well. It's very inspiring to people to hear them play like that. So. There you as go. long and short of it is we'll probably keep going likely to continue i would say oh fantastic yeah and you know i've even heard tunes written about it you know people have enjoyed their time so much they've actually written a jig oh, or a hornpipe or we, actually, we all well, forgot about that we always have a tune writing competition there oh oh see right prizes piping and drumming there you go and um McCallum that's maybe what inspired that donated chanters and stuff and right. has drums so anyway, yeah, we encourage all the pipers and drummers to write a tune, and then the, the winning tunes are performed by the instructors at, on the last night in front of a very large audience, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really fun night because if you, if people have no idea whose tune it is, and then we call them up and tell them they win, and they get a you know, oh, that's fantastic, a or something. It's a great prize. So that's a, a fun thing we do, and there's oh man, there's been a lot of tunes written for sure. Yeah, it. It, it just sounds like the best crack. And again, I'm too old. Uh, <laughs> Don't be silly. I would love to go. Yeah, that sounds like the best crack. But hey, we'll have to wait until next We've year. We've had many people from the UK, by the way, of a lot of country, a lot of countries. New Zealand, that's Australia, it. lots of American folk. You know, yeah, Ireland, well, the, Scotland, Germany, Italy. That's it. There's people travel international to be a part of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's huge. So speaking of tunes and everything, that kind of brings me neatly into my next question. Then you've got quite a collection of tunes, if you don't mind me saying online can you tell me about this website bagpipemusic.com i can so uh, happy to talk about that that, that sort of evolved out of piping hot summer drummer so it, it, mm. honestly when i started bagpipe when i started recording bagpipe music i had no big plans or whatever yeah. i had done the piping hot summer drummer for a couple of years and i had this idea you know why I, I always have a tune package for the pipers you know 50 tunes or something yes i thought you know i should really make a recording of these 50 tunes. I bet they people would like it. So I did that mm -hmm. one year and the, the students went crazy. Boom, those CDs were gone in a flash. I thought, whoa, I didn't <laughs> realize they were going to be so popular. The next year I did the same, another 50 tunes. So now, now I've got 100 tunes recorded or whatever. And then I did it one more time. I'm up to 150 plus tunes. And I thought, I should just keep going. because I'm. So I just opened the book and I started recording this is me on the on this. I have to type the tunes in bagpipe music writer software, mm -hmm. and then I record them on the full bagpipe. So no, it's it's no electronics. It's full bagpipes. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I started did the two Scots Guard books, and then 
the Donald McLeod books and the Willie Ross books and the Jordan's <laughs> Island of Queens and Hounders. I got through all the, the Ed Cath, all the old books like that. And then I, man, I, I was into thousands of tunes there. That's a lot. I was going to say there's bound to be all, thousands. All the modern, all modern books, you know. Yeah. Danny, Michael Gray, Bill Livingston, you know, all these books that are out there now. Stuart mm. Sampson. And, oh, so yes. Dexter books. Anyway, now I've got this immense library. I realize that there are 20,000 or so bagpipe tunes out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And I've actually recorded the majority of them already. Wow. That's I nuts. I finished, <laughs> I finished the entire Peabrock Society collection a few years ago. Oh, my and word. I just go back and tweak a few of those recordings. But anyway, I still enjoy doing that. And um, the pandemic's been good for me in that little regard because I've been home, not traveling, so I was able to record a lot. So I anyway, see. They, they end up on bagpipemusic.com, and then people buy them, and they're they're not expensive, and they get a recording, and they get the, the actual sheet music. So that's what I was going to say because as well, you know, there's a lot of websites that you can get the sheet music, and that's fine. You can even buy it direct from the composer themselves, but to actually hear it being played, you know, it kind of lends itself more to people who. You know, like myself, I'm kind of old school. I learned to read secondary after learning across the table from someone. Right. You know, <laughs> if I hear a tune, I could play it yeah. quicker than if I could read well, a tune. I've always been that way myself. I really need mm. to hear it. But the music yeah. itself doesn't speak to me. <laughs> but you hear somebody playing it or singing it or whatever. 100%. It sure makes a difference. So anyway, that's yeah. what I do in my so-called spare time. <laughs> Your so-called I've spare time. More years to complete the job, but um, I, I can see the finish line now. It's off on the horizon somewhere. <laughs> well, I, I, for a long time, I could not see the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> I find it that this brings me on to my next topic then. You're talking about free time. I don't think you have any free time because at the moment, you're now manufacturing pipes, bags, reeds, all of that with Lee and Sons. How is that going? Well, and... Um, just charging ahead, you know, making lots of pipes and bags, especially tons of bags, pipe bags. Mm. And so we feel fortunate that, you know, we make a product that people are like, I guess, and, and they continue to order it. But we have kept the shop going through the pandemic. You know, the pandemic good. is not good for yes. small businesses out there. But we feel fortunate that uh, pipers are kind of a funny group. You know, they, they'll give up a few things, but they may not give up those pipes, you know. That's very so true. Yeah, to get orders through the <laughs> pandemic, even though times were tougher and everything. And now mm. that we're perhaps, perhaps coming out of the pandemic at some point, hopefully, not sure about that quite yet. Mm. But uh, things are in, 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 um, increasing as well. So, but anyway, we're very fortunate. We make a really good bagpipe. I was um, the last time I won the Glenfiddich, which was I think five years ago now. Thing. Yeah, uh, I played mm-hmm. one of our mm-hmm. bagpipes when I won that, and it was, as the expression goes, the absolute best advertising ever. They are. I won the Glenfiddich playing our own bagpipes that we made, so um, we've been kind of busy ever since, so <laughs> very grateful for that. Yeah, if anything, Jack, it's bound to give you a bit of a sense of pride as well, you know, to have your own instrument on your shoulder and to come home with the prize, it's bound to have been special. Absolutely, that was a great, great uh, moment for for me and for our business. Indeed. So I have some big Rab Show staples coming up for you. Uh, so yeah, prepare right. yourself for those. Uh, but first of all, I have to say, I hope you don't mind me saying this. I'm going to blow your ego up here, right? I know a lot of people would look to you, Jack, as being an inspirational figure in the piping scene. And a lot of people would aspire to be able to play like you. 
can I ask then from yourself, who do you look up to and who would inspire your own plan? Okay. There's a long list there. <laughs> At the absolute top of that list would be Pipe Major Don McLeod. Oh, yes. Uh, he was just an incredible figure for me. Mm. And so, you know, he's long gone and, mm. and all that. But I happened to be at a Don McLeod led summer school in Saskatchewan, Canada when I was 12 years old and the great man himself was playing. Wow. And at that yeah. particular moment in stage of my piping, I could have gone either way. I wasn't overly enthusiastic or I wasn't mm. you know, dull about it. I just was playing, you know, and then I heard him play bagpipes at that school. And I just could not believe how great it was. <laughs> it changed my life when I heard him. And I decided that very night, I can still remember it so clearly, that mm -hmm. very night I decided I want to be a professional piper and play Peabrock. And I've been trying to do that ever since. <laughs> so anyway, Donald McLeod is my rock star. Uh, but there were, there's so many others that I, I really admired. I really, really admired Donald McPherson. He's just a wonderful person, a great piper. Yes. When I first started coming over here, those stars were so uh, inspirational for me. Ian McFadden, Hugh McCallum, Bill Livingston, Murray Henderson. I still see Murray a lot. Yeah. These guys were fantastic. And um, and then after that kind of wave of player was moving along, then there was these other guys like Alistair Gillis and Gordon <laughs> Walker. And the, these guys were just fantastic. Yeah. Players. So I, I, I can tell there's probably a big long list that have inspired me. Another, another person back in the day was Captain John McClellan from Edinburgh. Yes. Um, Colin McClellan's father was mm -hmm. a wonderful player and, he, and I had a number of lessons from him and in my own area of Vancouver Terry and I both had a tremendous teacher Jimmy McMillan who was from Campbelltown, Scotland Right. But, uh, at, when we were growing up as kids he was the guy to go to and we went to him for many years and I stayed involved with Jimmy really up until his death a number of years ago Wow, there you are that is quite a list and if anything Jack, it's good to know that you're just as much as fan of the music as we are. You know, we look to these same people as well, you know. So it's fantastic to hear that you're just as big a fan as we are. <laughs> yeah. I'm a yeah. big fan of the music and, and, and the piping scene. I'm That's it, indeed. Rock. I cannot get enough of P-Rock, and I, I'm a really big fan of the great tone. It That's really it. inspires me when I hear a great, a great bagpipe tone. It's something we're... We're all trying to get, but it's, it's a wonderful thing when you, when you feel like you're getting close to that. Oh, tone is king. Tone is absolute king. We've king. said it many times on the show. That's it. <laughs> so a few more questions for you just before we let you go. Can I ask you then, away from piping and all of it, and have you any interests outside of bagpiping at all? Well, the, yeah, I do. And I've done a number of things, you know, fishing and golfing and quite a bit of carpentry. Yeah. These days, my main interest out of pipe, outside of piping is my family, which oh. consists of wife, Christine, mm -hmm. three sons, Andrew, Colin, and John. Each of them is married, mm -hmm. and which is great. Love are my daughter-in-laws and four grandchildren. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> you know, they're the, when the kids are growing up, they're your, you know, they're your whole world. And now it's expanded with grandchildren. And so I have to say, when I'm not piping or, or whatever, I'm trying to spend, you know, good time with uh, various members of my family. So, oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Uh, so, am I allowed to call you Granda Jack? You can. Yeah. <laughs> my 
my grandson calls me Grandpa Jack. Grandpa Jack, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, hey, we have to get into the Big Rab Show staples right now. Okay, so every guest that comes on the show doesn't get to avoid these. So, Jack Lee, can I ask you, what is your favorite cheese? Okay, my favorite cheese is none. I think cheese is evil. Wow, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't like yeah, cheese? I'm kidding. Not evil, <laughs> but it's the next worst thing. I can't stand it. The smell of it. The smell yeah, of it. some of it can be pretty get sick. So I do not eat cheese. Um, okay, that's it. I just don't eat cheese. So I get. I'm a, a an unusual person when we go to this the pizza place and restaurant order pizza. <laughs> I have to get my special pizza with no cheese on it. Of course, everyone oh. thinks I'm weird. In my family, everybody loves cheese, and they all look at me and think, "What's the matter with you?" But I do not like cheese. <laughs> And, there you go. Uh, that is just that's, that's a no straightforward answer. There you go, and there's no harm in yeah, that. Indeed, yeah. But I've just found out that you drink tea, so and that's something we definitely yeah, have I'm in common. Cinnamon tea. This is cinnamon tea right here. Nice. There you go. Uh, so away from cheese and all of that, can I ask you then, in all of your storied career in piping, has there been any one moment that stands out to you as particularly memorable? Um, this could be for a good reason or a bad reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're probably the, the number one that comes immediately to my mind mm. was the first time that SFU won the world pipe band championships. Oh, yes. And, yeah. You know, I've had a lot of solo moments, which I, I can think of, but the, the, the band one was the number one. Mm. So when we won the band world pipe band championships for the first time, I think at that point we, we felt we had held some kind of record prior to that point. Uh, for the band who'd come close the most times and not actually won, uh, we we were sitting on at least three second prizes. At least at that, that point. yeah. <laughs> and I remember the year when we won it. Um, it was at Scotston Park, mm-hmm. which has only I think been used once for the World Championships in Glasgow. Its park is not quite big enough, no. but it was kind of a rainy, drizzly day that particular day. Mm-hmm. Nice Scottish weather, rainy. And Typical Glasgow fair. Yeah, cool. it wasn't very warm. <laughs> but you know we played really well we thought at the time of course you know thought you know i don't know what we thought after that but we got a chance we have a chance and then yeah when they call your name out of course you know there's great euphoria in the pipe band oh yeah and i still remember that and it was a great moment for my brother terry um who's the pipe major for many many years reed maxwell was mm. the lead drummer still is the lead drummer and all the players in the band you know we're generally speaking found a way to keep in touch over the years actually there you go yeah so that's what i was going to ask that you still keep in touch from that era yeah well, I certainly try to um, yeah i think from that particular band only reed and myself are left wow yeah i could become a small line there but i can't think of anyone else behind the scenes rob mcneil is still involved for sure hmm. but you there know you the are. band changes every year you get a couple of new ones in every year and a couple leave for various reasons they move away or whatever go to university or, or whatever mm. and each year and then over a period of three or four years you have a way different pipe band than you had three or four years ago so and that's the one that stands out for me the first world with SFU. 
Oh, an amazing, amazing answer, I have to say, because, yeah, I do remember that myself. There you go. <laughs> so, Jack, I have to say, from all of us here on the Big Rab Show team and from all of our listeners around the globe, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, I know right now that you're preparing for Glenfiddich, so I'll wish you good luck for that. But for everyone who's listening right now, uh, I want to wish you a very happy Christmas. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Likewise, Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners. And pleasure to be part of your show tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Simply wow. That was incredible. And a huge thank you to Jack Lee for taking time to chat to us here on the podcast. As I'm sure it was an incredibly busy period of time for him. <clears throat> he was going to be preparing for one of the biggest piping events in the calendar. And uh, not only did he have time to sit and blether away to us on the Big Rab Show... But he walked in there and lifted the thing, which is absolutely incredible. So well done, and a huge congratulations to Jack. And again, a huge thank you from all of us on the Big Rab Show team for taking time to talk to us. So, guys, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast. Well, I hope you've really enjoyed this week's episode. It's a little bit different, of course, because it is pre-recorded as we're taking some time off. But, hi, there it goes. But yeah, I wish you all a very happy holidays, happy Christmas, regardless if you celebrate it or not. I hope you manage to get some time away from your daily job or your work and spend some time with family and friends and all of that. And hey, even if you can, get the pipes out and have a wee tune or get the sticks out and, you know, have a, a wee rattle now and again. And yeah, find the music again. You know, it's not a party until the pipes come out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Now, seriously, folks, I have to say, uh, for an entire year worth of bagpiping goodness, our show will continue going from strength to strength. And we just want to say a huge thank you to all of you uh, for tuning in each and every week. Uh, but also a heartfelt Merry Christmas and hope you all have the best possible time. No doubt we will see you again next week where we do have another kind of awesome interview to bring you. Yeah, we, this is kind of a tradition now on the Big Rab Show where we bring you all sorts of massive interviews over the holiday period so next week's no different so um uh yeah i'm not going to tell you exactly who or what it is but uh suffice to say you're going to want to listen to next week's podcast if you thought this one was good then yeah it was good (laughs) that's for sure it was definitely a real real up there podcast for sure incredible interview with jack so please do share it with your mates tell them about our wee show and uh yeah because next week's pod is uh it's it's kind of awesome so guys i wish you all a very happy christmas and uh happy holidays and uh no doubt we will see you next week for more bagpiping goodness right here on the big rab show podcast until then all the best Well, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast. Thanks so much for downloading this week. And a special thank you to our sponsor, G1 Reads. Played by bands around the world, they are the champion's choice. Played by two-time world champions in Vararian District. Don't forget to check out thebigrabshow.com to be kept up to date with all the latest news and views from the piping world. And also check us out on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can get your hands on tons of extra piping goodness and be part of the Patreon faithful. So until next week, guys, we'll see you right here on the Big Rab Show podcast. All the best. <laughs>